Welcome to Change Your Relationship with Food, the podcast hosted by me, Kyla Holly. With many years' experience as an eating disorder and bariatric therapist, I know exactly what it takes to help you break free from your diet history and develop a more healthy relationship with food. Please follow this podcast to make sure you don't miss a thing. I'm going to talk today about hunger and cravings. And the reason is because there's a lot of confusion around these two things. And some of the people that I see really feel as if hunger and cravings have a lot of control over their relationship with food. It's important for us to have a look at what they actually are and think of new ways in the future that we might be able to deal with them. So the first thing I did is actually went to a dictionary because I was thinking, well, okay, if I've got to define hunger and cravings, I I might have my own definition, but what does a dictionary actually tell me? So this is what it said, hunger, a compelling need or desire for food. Yeah, I might agree with that. Or the painful sensation or state of weakness caused by the need for food. So that's the official sort of dictionary interpretation of what hunger means. As far as cravings, the dictionary said, a great or eager desire or yearning. So those are the the definitions that the dictionary give. My definitions would be slightly different, I suppose. I, I feel that hunger is the body's need for nutrition. It's as simple as that. It's the body sending signals to say, I am low in nutrition give me some food. Cravings I see as being a really strong, powerful, but also transient desire that may or may not be resolved with food. Sometimes they are actually resolved with food. So I think we have to learn the difference between hunger and craving and really check in with how those two things feel in our body and what the differences are. But we also need to be able to establish if we've got a craving, will food actually resolve that craving or will it not? I'll move on to a little bit more about that later. But first, hunger. Let's look at what it is and what drives it. I've talked in uh, past podcasts about ghrelin and leptin. These are two hormones that are basically at at the front of the uh, relationship that we have with hunger. Ghrelin is produced in the top part of the stomach and it persuades us to eat, basically, when it realises that the stomach's got no food in it, when it hasn't had food in it for a while. Ghrelin production starts to build in the stomach and ghrelin says, eat something. Meanwhile, if ghrelin is high, it means leptin is low. And leptin is the opposite. Leptin is produced at the end of our food journey in our fat cells. Ghrelin's job is to say, okay, stop now. You've had enough. You don't need to eat anymore. These two things are at play, but, and I don't want to overcomplicate it by going into too many details, but there's also another important one at play as well, and it's called neuropeptide Y. NPY. It's a neurotransmitter that again establishes hunger. It's that sort of feeling that it controls our reaction to food, uh, how much we desire food, looking at food or smelling food, you know, it, it triggers that desire like, yes, we should eat this. 
it's not just a hormonal response that we get in our stomach. It's also a response in our brain as well. Those thoughts are triggered about what can I eat? This smells delicious. This attracts us more to food. We've got this neuropeptide Y being produced by our body and we can do a little bit of a damage to this sort of very balanced, sensible, uh, intuitive way that our body has of, of sorting out its food relationship. We can do damage through years of dieting. There are lots of diets out there that will tell you to avoid your hunger if you can possibly do so. A lot of advice that's given is if you feel hungry, go for a walk. If you feel hungry, drink a glass of water. If you feel hungry, read a book instead. All these ways that we're told to actually ignore this fundamental physical signal that we are being given by our bodies. So ignore your body. What does your body know? Do something else instead. All in the pursuit of thinness. Avoid a fundamental bodily function if you want to be thin. This is something that plays out sometimes for decades for people. There's a problem with this though, is that if over a long period of time we have had an overproduction of neuropeptide Y, so in other words we've produced this neurotransmitter and it's been ignored by our body, and if it's ignored we simply produce more or we produce the same amount for a prolonged period of time. For people that have done that, for people that have had this overexposure to neuropeptide Y, what it can result in is leptin resistance. So we can get leptin resistance in the same way that we can get insulin resistance that often then leads to diabetes. What leptin resistance means in practical terms, what this all means in practical terms, is those people that have a really long dieting history and they've ignored this overproduction of neuropeptide Y for an extended period of time, they're the same people that don't have a very strong satiety signal because leptin is in charge of telling you that's enough now. I've eaten enough. I don't need to eat anymore. My body feels quite comfortable. If we haven't got that, what it means is that those people don't have an off switch. They don't have that signal that says that's enough now. A lot of people that I see say that they don't have that. They will just keep eating. There's no stop signal for them when they eat. And quite often there's certain foods that they know if they start eating that particular food, they feel like they're never going to stop eating it. Those are the foods sometimes that they will say, I just can't have it in the house, otherwise I'll just eat it all. This idea that once they give in to this desire, the desire is uncontrollable. And that is often a result of that leptin resistance that we get after those long periods of dieting for many, many years, doing fundamentally what we've been told to do when we've sought advice about weight loss. Hunger also depends on a few other things. So if we haven't eaten a balanced diet, if, for instance, we've eliminated an entire food group, let's say we've cut out carbs, our body is likely to still send us hunger signals because if we've only given it 
one thing and we've missed out an entire food group, the body will just know that it's still lacking. It's still malnourished in some area or the equilibrium of the body isn't quite right and it will still send you those hunger signals. So in other words, you can be malnourished even though you might be at a higher weight. We've got to think more about what we're actually putting in our body and the job that it does rather than just getting rid of hunger. For example, I could eat all day every day just potatoes. I could have them for breakfast, lunch and dinner in a variety of forms and I would have a full stomach. I would reach a point where I said I can't eat anymore, I'm absolutely stuffed. But would my nutritional needs be taken care of? You know, where where's my protein? Where's, well, I might have some fat if I've mashed the potatoes, but there's all these other things that our body needs, which just that one food stuff, even though it's doing the job of filling us up, it's not doing the job that our body needs, which is that balance of nutrition across all different areas. Also consider the things that you eat and how long they keep that satiety going. You would have heard in the past about low GI and high GI, how food that we eat affects our blood sugar levels. That in turn affects how much insulin we produce and how long that effect of fullness lasts in our body. I'll get into blood sugar in a completely separate podcast because it's a fascinating area for those of us that dieted for years. And I come at this from... I think I had a good 30 years of dieting and weight gain to the point where my weight got well beyond 100 kilos. I think my top weight was around about the 110 mark at some point. I've been there and done it. I tried every diet in the book and what none of them told me was that the food that I eat affects my blood sugar, which in turn affects my insulin production. I never learned that. I learned about calories in and calories out. I learned about restricting calories. I learned that I should drink lots of Diet Coke, which I did for years. And now it gives me nightmares to think that I did that because I certainly try and persuade most of my clients off those sort of artificial sweeteners. But I did a lot of things in the pursuit of changing my body. All the advice I was given, I was given by diet companies, basically. I followed that advice and I got fatter and fatter and fatter over those three decades. I'll come on to that in a separate podcast because it needs a, a podcast all of its own to talk about blood sugar. But these are more the things we ought to be thinking about with our hunger rather than just, I'm hungry, how can I get rid of my hunger in the, the quickest possible way is what we're using to get rid of that hunger and what effect it might be having on our body long term. Now try with hunger because I want to try throughout these podcasts to not just complain about things and tell you why they shouldn't be the way they are, but also to give you solutions to these problems. And I want you to try more and more, and this applies to everything to do with our relationship with food, is to check in and connect a little bit more with your body. So next time you feel hungry, acknowledge it on a conscious level, say, oh, okay, I'm getting the feeling now that hunger's come on board. 
and then check in with your body. Ask your body, where is that hunger? Is it in my stomach region? Is it central to my body? Is it perhaps uh, in my throat? Do I recognize hunger as, as a feeling maybe of lightheadedness? Am I recognizing hunger in my muscles? Do I feel quite tired and quite weak? Rather than just going onto autopilot and saying, I'm hungry, then rushing to the fridge or the pantry, actually take a few minutes to really check in with, hello body, where are we feeling this? What's actually happening with me? And then once you've established where the hunger is in your body, try and then think back to, okay, what have I had today? What have I given my body? Have I given it a good source of protein? Have I given it a good source of fat? Have I given it some carbohydrate to give it energy? What have I eaten? And what perhaps today have I completely excluded? Perhaps it's dinner time and I haven't consumed anything in the sort of vegetable department all day. Well, then you kind of have to go, okay, body, we probably need some vegetables on board now, or we probably need a good protein source. So check in on what you've given your body throughout the day and what your body might still need to complete that nutritional kind of window for the day. Cravings are a little bit different. And again, we're going to strip back the process of cravings and we're going to do the same as we do with hunger, connecting to our body and asking a little bit for a little bit more information, I guess. Imagine you're having a craving. You know it's not hunger because your body's been very well provided for with food all day and you have a craving and cravings tend to be for a specific thing. With me, it's normally cheese. <laughs> cheese is my the thing that gets me every time and the thing that I crave quite often. Generally, a craving is for a particular taste or a particular texture or something, for instance, like some people crave something sweet. They don't necessarily know what, they don't categorize it, but they just feel something sweet. Connect in with that craving. Okay, recognize it first. Here it is. I've got a craving and I fancy cheese. I can relate to this a little bit better. My mind is telling me that I want cheese. Then I have to go a little bit deeper and go, okay, I'm being told I want cheese. Is cheese actually going to solve this craving? Is it going to make this feeling go away? And then I have to look at what else might be going on for me. Am I going through a lot of stress at the moment? Am I carrying a lot of anxiety with me? Has something happened today which I really would prefer to escape from? And am I getting this craving, not because my body's going, you know what, a bit of cheese would be fantastic, but am I experiencing this craving because my body is just feeling discomfort? It's just feeling out of sorts and it's carrying that residual yucky anxiety and my brain is going, I don't like this feeling, make it go away. And I'm connecting the dots myself and going, cheese, I love cheese, cheese will make it go away. It's a matter of connecting in before you take action. So say I'm in that situation and I decide, no, cheese isn't going to do anything to take away this feeling. What I really need to do is actually 
have a proper look at why I'm feeling this way. There's a phone call I need to make or there's an email or perhaps I need to talk to someone about it. And I could check in and decide that actually cheese isn't the answer. Or I could be experiencing this craving for cheese and I could check in, connect with my body. And my body says, actually, there's there's no other problems going on. You just you just fancy some cheese. You you can imagine the taste, you know it's in the fridge. In which case, I know that cheese will probably resolve that craving. When we have a craving that we know can be resolved, try and have the best possible form of resolution you can. In other words, if I'm going to have a piece of cheese, my cheese of choice is a particular brand of soft blue cheese because it's very, very tasty And I only know that I need a tiny amount of that cheese and it will hit my craving on the head. If, however, I had a very mild cheese, something that's a little bit flavourless and a little bit pedestrian, I would probably have to eat more of that for it to nail the craving. And also, maybe it wouldn't even nail the craving. So try and go for the best possible form of the food that you're craving. An example I often give is chocolate because a lot of people have chocolate cravings. And I say to them, buy the chocolate that you absolutely adore. Buy the best chocolate. Buy the chocolate that comes in a tiny little packet and it's outrageously priced, but you know that it's the most delicious thing ever. Rather than going for these great big bars of cheap and cheerful chocolate, that don't give you the same level of satisfaction. So if you have a craving and you know you have a craving for chocolate, buy the really good chocolate, the real top medal winning, you know, $10 for a block type chocolate. So that when you get that craving, when you go, you know what, I really need the chocolate, you check in on your body and you go, no, there's nothing else going on for me. This is purely a craving for something sweet. And I know that if I really hit it on the head, this craving will go away. I will eat the most delicious chocolate that I have found on the planet and I will have a little bit and I will enjoy it mindfully, which means I'll eat it nice and slowly and really appreciate the flavour because if I've got a craving then I really need to have the satisfaction of solving that craving. And eat the chocolate mindfully. And then again, all the while you're checking in on your body. What's going on now? Has this craving disappeared? Have I actually satisfied it with that bit of chocolate? Or is it still lingering? And once you realise actually you've done it, you've, you've hit the craving on the head, the chocolate goes away because you've done exactly what you set out to do and you've done it in the most effective way. I really hope that makes sense because hunger and cravings can feel like they're a roller coaster. They can feel like they're out of your control. And the way to get them back in your control and be able to have that calm, logical approach to them that enables you to make an informed decision about what to do, you really need to connect back into how those things are experienced through your body. 
rather than just go on to autopilot, you're going to take things a step back and you're going to go, okay, let's nail this down. How do I actually feel? Hopefully that's given you a little bit of a start of an insight into hunger and cravings. Trust me, we will do so much more on this. I've got many years experience of my own, dealing with my own eating disorder in the past, dealing with my own weight gain. And then once I got on top of the eating disorder, regulating my weight again. I've got all that going on a personal level. I've also got a history of trauma through my childhood, which really comes into the mix as far as how that affects your relationship with food. I've gone through all this on a personal level and I've gone through the same things with probably, I was trying to think the other day of how many clients or, or patients I would have seen over the, the times I've been in practice. It's well into the thousands. I'm going to guess three or 4,000 at this stage of people presenting with the same sort of issues. So I've got a whole lot of information to share with you over the next podcasts. And I still need, though, your ideas of what matters to you, because I can talk about what I think you might want to know, but what matters to you? What do you need to know? What do you experience? What are those obstacles or barriers you find come up for you? Please let me know. You can email me at any time and I will try and incorporate all sorts of learning into our future together. Thanks for listening today. Send your show ideas, questions or suggestions to info at acfeb.com.